Podcasting from the Calgary West Central Primary Care Network near Chinook Centre, this is episode 9 of our monthly Examiner podcast. I'm your host, Roma Thompson, the Director of Community Services, Transitions and Integration. And I'm Lisa Bergerman, the Director of Member Services and Engagement. Thanks for joining us. So Roma, who do we have on today? Well, today, Lisa, I'm talking with Dr. Michelle Hart, who's one of our CWCPCN physician members, and Patricia Hines, who is one of our social workers. And we're going to be discussing the support that our social work team can offer to physician members and their patients, as well as hopefully learning a few useful tips about how to engage with the team. That sounds great. I know the social workers are of great value to our members and their patients. So I think members will enjoy hearing a little bit more about how the program is working these days and and, uh, how it will benefit them. So let's get started. Dr. Michelle Hart, uh, Patricia, thank you both very much for, for joining me today. I'm, I'm excited that we're going to be learning a little bit more about our social work programme because for some of our listeners, I think there's a lack of clarification around how our social workers can really support uh, support them, support their patients in the community. So to get us started, Patricia, can you just give us a very brief overview of the social work programme and, and who's on the team? Very excited. Our program has now grown. We have four social workers and we now work with families, pediatrics, all the way through to complex geriatrics. We work in a role that is more of a resource broker. So our goal is to hear the patient's stories and hopefully connect them to resources in the community that may fit their needs and support them better. That's great. And so we've gone from just supporting adults and seniors to now supporting patients of all ages. That's right. We, um, we, as part of the PCN and the team, and we collaborating and always discussing patient needs and how we can fully support the patients and the physicians and their request. We decided that, yes, a pediatric would be a lovely addition. And which is lovely about this team is we are so versed in our skills that we can actually cover for each other, work across the board, as well as do our specialties. Yeah. And I'm aware as well that we've recently made some adjustments to the hours of service of the program. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? That was another need that was addressed. We noticed that with pediatrics, a lot of parents work. And when you have a child that may have a lot of doctor's appointments, it gets difficult to maintain jobs. We wanted to extend those hours, especially around the pediatrics. And so now the pediatrics will be doing from one um, and doing the evenings. Excellent. So one till nine on a Monday to Friday, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Um, And in some cases, home visits with the paediatrics as well. Great. And... From a referral perspective, again, I know some of our physician members may be very familiar with the process for referring patients, but there may be others who are not so familiar. So where do they find the referral form and how? what is the process for referring to, to the, uh, the team? So the referral form is on the examiner. And then the referral form, the physician fills it out. And then it is faxed to the PCN clinic. Now, the first person who looks at that, we have an MOA that works with us quite closely and they triage. They also consult with us on who would best meet that needs of the referral. Then the patient gets booked with us or if there's additional questions around the referral, we get messaged 
we consult back. I find the it's very handy that the form is on Wolf, on Med Access, on Practice Solutions, and so it's the same form that we use for the gas clinic. It's the same form we use for the general PCN stuff. So it's very accessible, and the doctors usually know the same form. We just tick the right box. Okay, excellent, excellent. And, and then when it comes to the criteria for referral, Doctor Hart, I wonder if you can speak a little bit to the patient population that you've referred to the program in the past, and uh, and who's included. For I I've uh, used it quite a bit for patients when they have complex social needs and I've, there's no other uh, social workers available in the community and so often if I have a prob- patient with problems with getting their medication, knowing what form to fill. Me as a doctor don't know what all the forms are and sometimes we fill the forms and then the forms come back because we didn't take tick the right boxes mm. or we didn't write the right severity in the right spots and the social workers are expert at what form to do for what, for whom and when and then it's very handy that they're even able to get us the form and so forward it to us and circle, make little notes, please remember to do this one here <laughs> uh, and that makes it much handier so that you only have to do it once and we don't have to do it more than once. Yeah. And then Patricia, from uh, a more specific exclusion criteria, I hate to use the word exclusion because it's not we want to be as mm-hmm. inclusive as we can be. But are there certain types of referrals that you sometimes receive that that you're not able to accept as a program? Mm-hmm. With the social work program that we have in place, we kind of are viewed more like a resource broker. So we hear the patient's stories, we look at the referral, and we connect the patient to resources in the community or help them access. We don't do assessments, especially around mental health. We don't do therapy and we don't do counseling. Okay. Yeah. And is that something that you often get a number of referrals for? We do. Yeah. Um, and it's okay to send referrals for individuals that may need assistance with medications, filling out forms for funding, housing, things. But the assessment, the treatment and the therapy part is something that we as a team cannot provide. Okay. And then that communication back to the the medical home. So Dr. Hart, again, from your perspective, the once you've referred a patient to the programme, what have you experienced in the way of communication back and forth between yourself and the social workers? I every time get a lovely letter that is often usually brief and to the point, which is kind. We don't need all the dirty laundry out on the paper either. But um, it, I find it helpful so that we know what the plan is and what is now the ball is in my court, what I need to finish up with and then what the social workers will follow up on and so that it closes the loop nicely so I know what's happening. Yeah and and Patricia when you're getting that communication from the family physician in the first place is there any particular information that you're really looking for to be included in the referral that sometimes is, is missing or what, what's most helpful for to you you and the rest of the social workers? Yes um, for us we're physician directed and patient led so the, if the patient is looking for something specific, like say an H form, um, to put on there, please fill out H form, but also let us know that it's medically supported. Okay. What What do you mean by that? Um, that so the doctor is the one who said the patient is sick enough. Right. To that have it, we have enough information that okay. we meet H criteria. Go okay. ahead and start that portion of the application. Okay, so it's not just the patient thinks they need H, but I don't think they're a good candidate. Right. So we don't want those ones. Well, we can always look at that individual's financial situation and maybe assess if there's other things that they can be accessing as far as finances, if not quite meeting that H criteria yet, or additional testing that can be done. 
And I um, find that very helpful. I've had a pa- few patients who have, uh, it was the educational part or the stuff that's information from the schools that's hard for me to access and mm-hmm. that's very handy. Or Because, yeah, often as an adult, a late adult in their 30s or 40s, they have a history of it, but I don't have access to that kind of form. So do we have somebody else who can help with the testing? And let's talk about the occupational therapist then. Yes, we do. <laughs> that's exciting. Yes. Yeah, so the occupational therapist, that's a new addition to our team. Um, mm-hmm. Within the last six months, we've had two occupational therapists come on that are supporting a number of our programmes. So, Patricia, have you had experience of working with our occupational therapist yet? And can you give us an example of how that collaboration works? I, I have. And I working with the occupational therapists have been a great addition to this team. With the AISH One of the criteria is the severity of the patient's Mm -hmm. conditions. And so the occupational therapist is able to do testing to provide concrete evidence as to the patient's severity. And also, is this a permanent condition? Yeah. So that is extremely helpful. Yeah. And that, that's a tricky part. For me as a doctor, I can see how they're filling their prescriptions or how they present in the clinic, but I have no idea if they actually can get themselves dressed, if they can actually get their groceries, can they do the walking, how do they integrate in the real world and social work. Uh, occupational therapists are very helpful with that. Mm-hmm. And then it also allows us, like you said, that additional view of what other resources we need to put, put into place. Do we need home care? Do we need um, aids to daily living put into place? Mm-hmm. It just gives us that one more piece of the puzzle where we can support that patient yeah. in their living yeah. and well, quality of life. Or then if it starts being a more senior patient where one of our other patients ended up, we in, in then ended up uh, involving the uh, the gas team, the geriatric team, because there were some questions about her memory and why is she not following up. And then we were able to also then get the gas team involved and get the, the mini mental and the mocha and that kind of stuff done to see what kind of helps is there for the supports that's needed in that situation. Yeah. And I think one thing that's probably important to highlight about the occupational therapist role is because our occupational therapy team is so small, we're not accepting direct referrals from physicians for that team. So what happens is a patient would be referred to our seniors team, would be referred to our social workers. And once they have assessed the patient, they may engage the occupational therapist to to support. But Mm -hmm. that's not been a situation where we yet have been able to open up to to direct referrals for physicians. Uh, And there is the off time where I have um, viewed a patient, discussed with them, and then sent information back to the physician, do you recommend that I do the referral to occupational therapist so that I'm following the physician direction as well? Yeah. And I don't think we've worked, we haven't had the uh, privilege of working with occupational therapists in a very long time in Calgary because they're typically working like at the children's hospital or at the hand clinic. It's the only time we have them accessible. Mm-hmm. So it's really great that I wouldn't know what to who to refer mm-hmm. them to. When Andrew told me there's occupational therapist, I went like, but who am I going to send to them for? And yeah. maybe the pediatricians would need them, but I don't know what to do with them. But yeah, so if it's a through referral and a, it's yeah. a resource that's handy. And I think at some point in the future, we'll probably, once the program is more established, have a podcast specifically yeah. around the occupational therapy program. But mm-hmm. um, So focusing back on our, our social work team, uh, again, something else that I've heard is uh, an ask from physicians, and I'm never too sure exactly how to answer this, is around the phone 
consults and whether they they can just phone the social workers and ask for advice over the phone or whether they actually have to submit a formal referral. So, uh, Patricia, do you want to, to answer that, that question? Each social worker generally has a little bit of time during the day that we do reserve for administration. And often physicians will call in and just with general quick questions or they have a case they would like to know what can be done, what can you do, what can you offer, or what resources are in the community that I can offer the patient. We're always happy to support physicians when we can for those really quick phone calls and consults. Yeah. And is that something, Dr. Hart, you've had the chance to, to utilize at all? I find that by the time I need help with this patient, the patient needs a consult because I don't even know the tip of the iceberg of what's happening. The CWC PCN would like to take this opportunity to remind you that if you have a patient in need, our social work team at the Primary Care Center can help. Our social workers act as resource brokers who connect your patients and their families to services and supports in the community. They can also provide temporary crisis intervention, advocacy, and assist with housing, food, clothing, and other basic needs. All members can refer their patients to the social work team. Please use the centralized referral form on the examiner. Again, from the family physician perspective, what questions do you think other family physicians who haven't referred to this program may have and what would be useful information for them to know? That they're available to do a lot of the paperwork. It's as a family doctor, we can do the medical stuff, but we end up helping with a lot of social problems, which we have no experience with. And we've done a few of the forms, but we don't know exactly what's out there. And sometimes there's the booklets, I find the Kirby Centers booklet is a little helpful for the seniors, but there was a huge gap for adults that we we don't know. And often these patients are not great advocates for themselves. If you end up doing uh, patients with higher needs, uh, they don't even know what's out there and they don't know what help they should be getting. And so very handy then to, to have a social worker to yeah. help with that. And Patricia, what questions do you hear from physicians most frequently? With regards to, we get such um, a diverse population of patients coming in. So anything from prenatal supports, postnatal supports, children with um, disabilities, uh, we with youth that are aging out of the disabilities program and going into longer program and support as adults, funding. Um, living supports, housing, medications, the, it could just goes on and on the information. Yeah. 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 And we're lovely versed in most of it. So yeah. we're great. <laughs> and you're very willing to find out if you don't know, which is also excellent yeah. and use yeah. other resources in the community yeah. and use other things that might not be available in the PCN. Yes. And you brought a really good point is, is we have such a diverse team that we communicate and we work very much as a team. So we often consult with each other as well. So, yes. Yeah. And I know one of the real strengths of our team is the experience they bring and working in other organisations. So you've got quite a network as a group of, of social workers. Uh, who are some of the main partners in the community and agencies that you tend to work with? Uh, we work a lot with the community agencies, um, CUPS, Mustard Seed, 
Alberta Works, Aish. Um, we also have partners that we're working with. So we're yeah. working with Magic of Christmas. We're working with Horizon Housing. One of the big ones was um, that housing is very difficult and it's becoming more and more difficult in Calgary to access. And so partnering with Horizon Housing has just opened one more step. Um, assisting families with magic of Christmas and attending sporting functions and out. When we have patients that maybe the parents are sick and can't get out that often, when we can connect with some programs and allow them to be out and just for a little bit of time and connect as a family that's what's important and kids up front offers that yeah that's great and i think the the list of partnerships that we might be able to develop in the future is really endless there's so many opportunities out there this year we did 90 backpacks with steven's backpacks um for christmas we did back to school backpacks and winter coats so patricia Something that I've heard uh, questions about is whether our social workers offer home visits to patients or not. And my understanding is it's only for specific populations. Is, is that correct? That is correct. Um, we have, of course, the seniors team. Rochelle is our geriatric social worker, and she does go out with the seniors team to do part, be part of that assessment. Okay. We also have the pediatric social worker and often we have families and it's very difficult, especially if they have a child that may have significant needs to be able to come to the clinic. So she will go to that home in special circumstances. And that's the role that's going to be available from one to nine, Monday to Friday. Yes, so we're trying to... Evening opportunities for, for visits as well. Right. We're trying to work around and support that working parent or the parent that may have a lot of children in school and trying to meet their needs. Yeah, that's great. And I guess just one um, question, one final question that I really have is around whether there's any misunderstandings out there about the programme that we want to take this opportunity to clarify. So I don't know if either of you have examples of... I had one patient who came back and she was very disappointed that the social worker couldn't actually give her any money. And maybe there was even a $5 Walmart voucher that she got, but she was quite misunderstanding that the social worker doesn't have money to throw out. They can connect to services. They know which who applies for what service, but there's no actual money in it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we wish we could, mm -hmm. but it's not a service that we can provide because it's it's very hard in, an, um, in all of our agencies to be able to provide that. But we can direct and support patients in accessing services in the community, whether it's food, emergency medication coverage, maybe assistance with applying for funding. So, Patricia... If we have an urgent consult, how do we get it in? I find, fortunately, your wait time has been quite uh, rapid at the moment, and that's great. But is there an opportunity for an urgent consult? How do you set that up? So there is an urgent box. You can write urgent across it or tick the urgent. It goes into the MOAs. The MOAs assess. It's an urgent. Then they notify us an urgent um, if it needs to be addressed um, we can either call that patient or we can look at booking them into an urgent spot that we may often keep available just for those circumstances. Excellent, thanks. And are those appointments often same day or how, how quickly might an urgent patient get in? Um, there has been an occasion where we make arrangements that we can meet those needs, especially if it is a real urgent and um, the consideration is that this person needs to be seen immediately. But... Just clarifying, this isn't an emergency service. So if there was something where a physician was actually seriously concerned, this wouldn't be the place to refer this those patients? This would not be the place. We're not a crisis. So if yeah. somebody is um, suicidal, 
or there is a risk of harm to self or others, then that's a whole different consideration and should be looked at within the physician's clinic. So just as we draw this conversation to a close, Patricia, can you share the contact information for any of our listeners who are not familiar with how to get hold of the social workers? The social workers are all centrally located at the primary care centre. Our phone number is 403-249-9907. That number will take you to the medical office assistants who can triage the phone call and find out if there's a social worker available to take that call or who would be best to meet that need. Dr. Michelle Hart, Patricia Hines, thank you both very much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you very much. So Roma, how did that go? It went really well, Lisa. There is a lot of really useful information which uh, was shared, which hopefully our physician members are going to really appreciate hearing. That sounds great, Roma. You have been listening to the Examiner podcast, the podcast designed for members of the Calgary West Central Primary Care Network. If you have enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, subscribe today via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Or to learn more, visit the Examiner, your best source for up-to-date information on your PCN. And if you have questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, or if you think you might like to get involved, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact your physician liaison or email memberservices at cwcpcn.com with your ideas or suggestions. Thanks Thanks for listening. listening.